Hello, everyone. Uh, can you hear me? Are you there? Hello, hello. Hello and good evening. Welcome to this Wednesday evening. Uh, oh, I, I, I see seven o'clock. I don't think I'm late. It's uh, it's a bit lonely, this rail matter, after the fun of last week. Hello, can you... Uh, how's the sound levels? Uh, can everyone hear? Lovely job. Look at that. Wait a minute. Let's get... Um, let's get big face up. Hello everyone, hello, hello, I have tea. Uh, what's everyone drinking? There's a nice mug of quite nice dark tea there. It's a good strong brew, this one. Oh, it is, it is St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? It's Paddy's Day today, crikey, which is why I'm wearing a green t-shirt. And nothing to do with the fact this is a very green episode. Although, as we know, uh, the colour should be blue, although it's green for St. Paddy's That's a complicated thing. Deirdre will set us right. Anyway, right. Hello, everyone. You, you're all here. Um, let's let's crack on, shall we? Uh, there's, there's quite a bit to get through, and I'm going to try and keep this one tight. Although, how many times have I said that? That's probably a bingo thing right there, isn't it? Anyway, right. Um, let's pop in here. So we, we must start. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. As always, um, at me in if, you, if you've got a question. Um, plenty of nice chat going on in the, in, the, in the YouTube chatter, of course, as well. But if you've got a particular question, um, at me in, and then I can spot it. Um... All, Liddles knock off Lilt. Nice work. Right. In any case, let's let's continue, shall we? So, um, episode fifty-three. Good grief. We're, this is it. We're into year year two of Rail Matter. Good grief. Anyway, right. Let's start with the news. The news this 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 week. Many things in the news actually. Um, Sir Peter Hendy has published a, an interim version or like a first pass at the uh, at the Union Connectivity Review, which is. Um, uh, can be summed up as a document trying to. Uh, it's like um, like trying to put a, a ceramic vase back together with uh, elastoplasts, um, and that's kind of the point of it. It's to 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 mend a, a country that's currently in the process of disintegrating uh, because of a load of political decisions made by the person who actually made this report a thing. So solid effort, not not Hendy uh, Bojo. In any case, uh, there are some interesting things in there. There are also some very very stupid things in there. Uh, there are kind of there's a level of nuance in that it's about regional and, and and sort of fringe flights, but there's a lot of stuff about basically incentivizing flying, you know, continuing to incentivize flying over rail. Um, yeah, lots of interesting things. I suppose the most interesting thing in there is is that Hendy has tactically said, "Don't don't pe- stop pestering me about that link to the mainland." Uh, sorry, the link from the mainland over to Northern Ireland. Um, so, yeah, uh, because he's kicked it off into the long grass and given it to some other people to look at instead. In any case, there we go. Um, uh, yeah, William, yeah, Simon, as Simon uh, Zev Kendler points out, Williams has been deferred again. The excuse is now purred. It's going to be autumn before we see Williams, but my expectation continues to be that we'll never see it. I, I don't expect we're going to see that document. Um, the excuse will be that COVID, as COVID ramps down or as, another, or as we come to a third wave, which might happen later this year, um, that... Um, that it just said they, they come up with the excuse that oh, it's not relevant anymore, which of course it absolutely is. In any case, uh, so that's the Union Connectivity Review. There's a lot of government reviews that are going to appear in there as well. Next, oh, why did they call it Bus Back Better? Not least as Build Back Better was, I'm pretty sure, a thing coined by Momentum and then used by Labour. But anyway, whatever. Um, build Back Better. Uh, they, they've, they've swapped Build with Bus. And it's the national bus strategy that is um, about a decade late. Campaign for Better Transport, I think, came up with, uh, suggested that this was desperately needed over a decade ago. And um, yeah, we are, well, there's some interesting stuff in there. 
maybe maybe it's worth picking through. But if I did that, I'd need a bus person because although I'm a you know a big fan of buses overall, uh, I think I need I need someone who knows that market a bit better to kind of pick and pick through the, the relevant detail and the challenges. Even though I've got a rough, I've got a, I feel like I've got a reasonably good handle on what the challenges are. Um, this graph, I suppose, the main thing of the report is that it acknowledges that um, deregulation has been a complete disaster. There's a strong acknowledgement that deregulation of the bu- of buses has just been an unmitigated failure. And for the Tories to admit that, that really indicates um, how shoddy it is. So you've got some interesting uh, graphs here. Oh, you know what I need to do is get out the old uh, Ella. I'm getting out the... Here it is. I'm getting the Wacom out. Here, 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 here it is. Here is the Wacom. Because... Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Pro as always. Um... So this this line here, the uh, the green, the top the top line here is um, non London English bus journeys. Um, so that's as you can see, it, it, there's, a, there's a general trend, and that is down, very much down. Uh, the the cyan-y kind of green, this bottom one here, um, is London bus journeys. So these are just local bus journeys. So it's not mega bus and stuff. This is the the, the kind of the local journeys, uh, and you can see the trend of um, the trend there is very much up. So so up now. What's the difference there? The difference is that the um, uh, London wasn't included within deregulation. I don't know why I just drew those lines, but have them anyway. Um, yeah, it wasn't included within uh, uh, deregulation. So you know, as with the same for the same reason that rail cl- has climbed, people have people like travelling by um, by public transport. We have f- reduced car ownership. Um, in urban areas where buses are better, so in London particularly, car ownership is very pretty low, and as a result, numbers have climbed. Uh, you can see there's there's been a bit of a, a drop. Oh, what was going on in in this period? Oh, something about something about fuel duty and and Uber and all this stuff that should have been regulated out of existence. So yeah, you can see that re- more recently, the, even the London buses have gone down. Um, but overall, so this is the number of total, total number of journeys. London, uh, non-London buses dropped down dramatically. Uh, meanwhile. Uh, Journey miles in terms of in private cars has just rocketed upwards, up and up and up. That's the middle one here. Uh, so pretty depressing state of affairs. And the, the, what's interesting is seeing where um, this line here is, is deregulation, bad. This line here is uh, the Great London Authority Act, which uh, came in and I think enabled even more control of buses, which enabled more integration and buses improved even more so i think i'm not entirely sure what the gla act this is why i need a bus expert but my my, my understanding is that's a point where um uh the great london authority gained even more control i think is that when tfl was actually created could have been anyway um more 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 integration means more people use it in any case uh, it's quite enough of that let us um whiz to the next slide because but that bus strategy is something i think we'll pick through maybe in the future um, ah, yes, that's right. Uh, Westminster is continuing its war on devolution. Um, it's the latest. So it's already been attacking Transport for the North. Uh, now it's attacking both Transport for the North and Midlands Connect in, a, in news that was generally received positively um, earlier this week, or was it later last week? Um, was that, uh, yeah, basically, uh, Grant Shapps, uh, there he is, Shapsy, uh, is, is wanting to poop all over Transport for the North and Midlands Connect because they're both pretty successful but they aren't under his control which he doesn't like um it might not just be him actually it's probably treasury uh, behind him and, and others uh, certainly this current government the current cabinet have very little interest in devolution so they're sending uh, two offices up to birmingham and up to leeds um of the department of transport so uh, officially 
kind of edging in and probably trying to just convert Transport for the North and uh, Midlands Connect back down into just talking shop lobby groups rather than actual devolved um, transport authorities with power, which, as you'll know from my previous Rail Natter about rail structure, is a bad thing because those organisations are both very good for the democratic control of transport services, the administration of... of, of, of uh, of operator licenses or you know operate operator uh kind of it's not really franchises but whatever it ends up being operating public transport um and indeed guiding what infrastructure should look like regionally and locally so this is bad so everyone said hooray it's going to leeds and brum bits of dft but it's a trifling group and essentially it's to try and muscle in on um transport for the north and midlands connect so uh bad news frankly very bad news oh talking of which uh I, I picked a picture that wasn't that's hopefully not too scary looking because um although uh, content warning for the next image which is a bit more scary but it's from the old it's from the old and older days so it's maybe not quite as uh, as as unpleasant anyway this is the curb the is it Kirby I think it's Kirby um I don't know I don't know that side this this Kirby Lonsdale Kirby Moore side but I don't know about Kirby on the west coast uh, well I presume it's the same Kirby crash um this is on the end of one of the lines of Mersey rail system and a uh, one of the Mersey rail trains went pop through the um, through the slightly bizarre track layout, um, there's, there's a terminal platform, but it, it essentially used to be a through single line platform. Uh, so they put buffers on either side. Anyway, this, this, the, all the debris here is because the train smashed through the um, through the walkway. There's, there's like a pedestrian walkway uh, just on that sort of on the side uh, over here. Oh, I'm not going to do it over. You, you can see where it is. It's over this side um, here. You can't see it because this is red, but I've done scribbling. This used to be a pedestrian walkway between the two platforms. Uh, now it's rubble, uh, which is kind of... Yeah, these trains are getting scrapped. It's not a big deal. No one was injured. Uh, the driver was a bit shaken up, I think, but that's that's fine. It's not the first time it's happened, though. As I said, this is uh, this is a Class 508, so it's another pep. The, the, the peps have, have had their little journeys, their little forays onto trying to escape over onto the, uh, the other side, the non-electrified bit of the railway, uh, a couple of times. Um... So here, yeah, here is what happening before, including the fantastic token uh, rail track bib there, or BR bib there, really solid effort bib, as you can see, highly visible. Anyway, Kirby crash, that's uh, getting investigated, we'll find out what happened soon enough. Ah, talking of incidents, uh, the Stonehaven derailment uh, at Carment, uh, the two task forces, these rather um, kind of slightly badly... Uh, formatted front covers here but anyway never mind um they're both uh, the task forces the, the the earthworks and weather advisory task force uh both reported which is good i'm gonna i'm gonna pick through those they're quite heavy documents um and i think they've been summarized in kind of this this thing here which is the kind of the overall update of, of rail resilience I, I i hope they're kind of all talk to each other in any case these three documents have all been released so um uh yeah worth uh Worth having a yeah, worth having a pick through. I think there's some interesting stuff there. It'd be interesting to see where it picks up any any issues, any shortcomings. But uh, I, I think they probably won't. They're probably looking forwards. I expect the RAIB report, which should come soon. I hope. Um, uh, hopefully, that'll say some more stuff about the the operate the, the kind of problems with operations. One of the one of the main reasons I think the Carmen uh, RAIB report is going to be delayed is because it's going to say a lot of very unpleasant things about high speed trains. Um, probably along the lines of we told you these shouldn't have been on the on the railway in 2004 after after nerve it and you didn't listen to us why are they still on the railway um in any case uh, and then that's going to obviously get watered down by people who are even though RIAB is supposed to be independent i i expect there'll be some 
after often nerve it, there certainly was some watering down of what the uh, recommendations were in that because they said they essentially wanted to say don't run HSTs anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. They're still running. They're not safe trains, um, relatively speaking. Right, anyway, so that those, those have been interesting to look through. Next news item. <laughs> Let's cheer ourselves up with some nonsense. Here is some nonsense. Oh, actually, I need that this Wacom is necessary, but I'm going to pick a different color because I think these are all with greens. So let's go for yellow. Oh, um, I'm just going to have a sip of tea, actually. So the, the Cambridge Autonomous Metro is back. Back in the news. Sorry for that very uh, high fidelity sound of me supping tea. As you can see here, uh, lots and lots of cycling provision in this visualization. Really good. There's someone here stealing a bike, which is uh, people pointed out on Twitter. I like that a lot. Um, also, people pointed out this, which is just wrong according to ltm 120 that's just not that's not i mean even before that the standards is just not not how that works um and also somehow a load of parking anyway uh whatever this is cambridge autonomous metro the three kind of outline proposals have uh, concepts rather they're not proposals they're concepts um have been um have been uh have been put forwards i don't even know what to describe it so we have a variety of different things here so you can see this is a this is a what is this? It's a it's a bus. That's what it is. It is a bus. Uh, the next one, as you can see, this is a um, this is also this is going to be very difficult to read. This is I need to get a different color, don't I? Let's face it. Uh, let's go for purple. This this here. This is it's a bus. It, it's a bus, everyone. Although what I do quite like is that this bus, which um, again. There's some fantastic cycle parking here. That's just excellent cycle parking. Um, just the state of these. I, 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 I've written about this, and nothing has changed. These proposals are as ridiculous as I expect them to be, if not worse. Um, I like this one, though. It's like, we can have a bus, or alternatively, these things, which are known as cars. The cars. Everyone, these are cars. I know that people are saying they're not cars. No, no, these are just cars. This is just a taxi lane. It is just a taxi lane. Uh, it's just a taxi lane. There we are. It's just a taxi lane. Uh, if you put, if you can only carry four or five or six people in it, it's a taxi. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's got a driver or not. That's just a taxi. It's not. Uh, there's, there's, what? There's nothing about this that is mass or rapid transit. Certainly not a metro. Anyway, you've all heard this rant before. Um. Uh. In any case, yeah. It's just. It's just. Total gibberish. A bus, one is, no, 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 it's just a bus. A railless tram is a bus. It might be a very expensive uh, and unproven bus, but it's still a bus. Um, and the funniest one of all are these. These are absolutely hilarious. What the hell is this? This. Uh, let's 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 do this. Oh, I need my yellow back again, don't I? Basically, let's uh, let's get red back. Red red's going to solve our problems here. This thing. This. This is what? Well, what is it? It's just, it's it's a it's pods. It's just cars. These are just expensive cars. It's a car. That's a car, everyone. Um, yes. So uh, what? It's uh, yeah. I just don't get. I do not get what what people. Why why have people forgotten what cars? These are just cars. These are just cars. <laughs> Whenever anyone talks about these things, just say it's cars. Um, Mikhail Colville Anderson would call this arrogance of space. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. Um, what's nice is that this is bulldozed quite an important kind of green space in, in Cambridge to insert. This one's particularly funny because this is exactly what the uh, the loop looks like. 
uh, which again is just taxis. It's just taxis, everyone. So if you want, if you want to see what this ends up looking like, go look at the Las Vegas loop. I'm inver- I'm doing rabbit ears, um, which is just cars. It's just cars. Anyway, enough about cars. Let's talk about. Oh yeah, this this came in. This is hot off the press, everyone. In fact, there's a bit of hot off the press stuff in here. Uh, this one's particularly hot off the press, which is that um, next year will be the end of and probably the permanent end of private railway operators in Scotland. Uh, they're done. Finito. Um, I hope that now all of the ScotRail staff will just be toopied over. But Alex Hines, who is brilliant, uh, I, I, I don't know what other people think of Alex on here, but my perspective is that Alex Hines is brilliant. He's one of those managers like uh, Crowther and Horn, who are names that just stick with me as the sort of railway managers who just know the railway, know the system, and are fantastically inspirational and good and positive. I hope he hangs around because he's done... Uh, to my mind, he's, he's, he's a very positive asset for Scotland's railway, so uh, hopefully he hangs around. Uh, Rail Nalba, yeah, ScotRail. Um, so yeah, it's, there's a reason I've got the BR logo there, it's because it's going to be, it's, it's coming back in-house, it's, uh, it, that's it, it'll be nice. I mean, it won't, it'll just look the same as it always does, And, and I, but anyway, this, there's, there's Rail Alphabet 2 and, and the BR logo and the fourth bridge, and combining them is nice. Um, yeah, I'd love to get Alex Hines on. Alex, Some there's, there's a potential that you watch these, if you do, hi. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to have you on. I actually want to get, I'd like to get, um, uh, he is the gaffer at NR, that's true. Oh, that's a very good point. He is the NR gaffer. So it'd be unlikely he'd, I, I, I presume maybe then he is, his contract shifted because he was, I think he was an Abellio employee, but perhaps he changed over when he became root, whatever the combined root managing director title is now, where it's combined with the talk. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, very good point. Um, in any case, right. Um, yeah, awesome guy for this. Ellen Carlisle planned them, if nothing else. Thanks, David Bumstead. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, uh, it'd, be, it'd be great to get. It'd be great to get. I'd love to get Diane Crowther. I'd love to get. Um, uh, I'd love to get David Horn, who's absolutely lovely, and Alex Hines is also lovely. They're just lovely. They're they're lovely and impressive. Uh, they're impressive managers. I'd, I'd, you'd, leaders and managers whatever you want to call them you, you do need some good managers and those three are names that, that jump to mind there might be others out there feel free to recommend on the uh, uh in the chat and then on the discord anyway um right well for, without further ado let's let's um let's let's crack on shall we um it's already 20 past seven but um i, I don't think i'm going to talk i don't think i'm going to talk hours and hours about the the report so i think we, we should be all right um in any case um Hello, everyone. You're all chatting away. Uh, love seeing you all. Lots of lovely, familiar faces. I'm so pleased to see you all. Um, there are 84 of you watching. Welcome. Hopefully some Gre- Scottish Greens in here, maybe even some GPW members. If you are here, I'm waving at you. In any case, welcome to tonight's Rail Natter. fading away ah oh, the scottish greens your logo's up if any scottish greens are watching uh say hi in the chat um uh i'm gonna bring my face back because i think that's generally the format isn't it i'm in the corner hello everyone uh my lights are very yellowy red so they make me look completely flushed uh pink but that's i'm at peace with it um 
I'm going to put the whack them away because it can it can do me no positive now because uh, everything's going to be in that in that PDF. In any oh, that's a good point. I'll need to open the PDF and get it to two two page spread. Oh, we can fix that. That's fine. Um, so the Scottish Greens, I've I've written so I wrote a piece on this that's in um actually where is it? It's in here. Uh, let's get big face up uh, briefly. So this is kind of. It's not that I'm just stealing, I'm just kind of recycling old content. I think it's interesting to actually explore it and do a page turn. I kind of promised when I did this publication I would. But there's um, there's my piece in uh, Rail Magazine uh, where I talk about it. Um, I, I was quite, like, I was I was cautious when I first heard that this was happening. And then as I've, as I've seen it appearing, oh, some Irish greens in here. Hello, everyone. Um, there's some, um, as I was kind of had a look through it, saw, saw it, I was I was pleasantly surprised. And the word that I wanted to use was, the word I, I kind of used was, was bold but realistic. That's the phrase, rather, that I've been using to describe it. Because it is, it is bold, but also it's, 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 it's realistic. It's not, it's, um, I mean, it's got enough detail to be critiqued, which is, a, which is a, a thing that the Green Party of England and Wales have been incapable of doing in their entire existent history um, when it comes to rail. So that's a, in and of itself a positive um, and we'll come to that. And, and in fact, I am going to mention the Green Party of England and Wales a few times. I can only apologise one. No, I'm not going to apologise actually. Um, it's probably worth a dis- it's probably worth a, me just saying now. Um, much as I'm a, a Labour Party member, I probably would be a Scottish Green if I was north of the border. If I was back home north of the border, I'd probably be a, a Scottish Green rather than Labour because Labour are non-existent north of the border. Um, there, don't get me wrong. There. I'd have to reevaluate that if I was living in Scottish politics. I'd maybe have a different view to it. But certainly from from the perspective of someone, you know, grass is always greener, right? Um, but I'm just, over the um, over the border, from the perspective of me living here in York, um, I, I'd have to say I'd, I'd be inclined towards Scottish green. However, not English and Welsh green for reasons that I'll get into when we go through the report. And what I've enjoyed about this report, probably more than anything else, is the extent to which it throws shade on the completely untenable position of of the Green Party of England and Wales, you know, they're, they're, the confusion between policy, conference uh, statements, um, the illiteracy of, of some of the stuff that they come out with, um, their reliance on right-wing soundbites to back up rail policy, and their broad stance against rail across the whole of England and Wales um, summarises why uh, there is such a huge gaping gap and hole between the two separate parties so the reason i put those logos up is to point out they are separate parties um ella hello there um in any case there we are right i've talked about that let's whiz into this report shall we page one actually i'm going to escape page one because we need to go in here and quickly do i I forgot to do this thing didn't i which is go in here and go to view the page display and make it how did i do it again it was full screen uh oh i can't blink and remember Hopefully this works. Let me just see. The thing is, I don't think it's the end of the world. If I think it's fine, it's fine. We'll go page by page like this, and I don't think there's. I don't think it's going to screw up the uh, formatting at all. So here it is. This is this is it. Uh, this is the PDF. We're we're. It's it's a rail natter format that people love, which is, uh, it's. <laughs> It's PDF page flipping. So here's the page. To give you an idea, this is the last page. Um, page uh, this this page eighteen. So there's not a huge amount in terms of detail, but there's plenty to talk about. So so we'll go through it. Um, uh, it's John Finney, isn't it? Who's who's kind of in charge? Not the author, but who's who's in charge of this document? I think John, has John put a, a forward in it. I'm not sure he has. In any case, um, I think he's, he's he has the transport brief, doesn't he? So um, yeah, uh, Ella, I did get your DM. Don't worry. So. Um, Rail, the report is called... Oh, you can't see me. 
that's what I need to do. Let's get you up here. I didn't show you. Here's the PDF. There we go. Let me just show you this. I was getting excitable and forgetting that I hadn't shown you everything going on. There we are. 10, 8, 10, 11. So it's, it's quite a nice, nice, neat document. It's It doesn't overstretch itself. Like this, you, you cannot pretend to have done more uh, research than you have. It's quite a reasonable document. Funnily enough, it's structured very similarly to my own Network 2050 first draft that never made it out because Williams appeared and everything just went up in the air and, and it's been so unstable I've not wanted to push Network 2050 out. I've learned a lot and, and things have changed sufficiently that I changed that document now. Uh, hopefully there'll be a new version coming out at the end of this year now that the world has changed a little bit. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. so um, this uh, there's Aberdeen, by the way, on that. It's a, a view that I recognise quite well because that was my, like main home terminal kind of big city station for me that was like big city stations that i grew up with was getting the train from aberdeen it was always very exciting despite the fact that it has like two platforms um yeah you're, you're messaging me but it's, it's fixed i fixed it yeah i fixed it everyone yeah you're, you're behind me just shows how behind you uh, i am yes thanks um don't spam the thing just just at me once i'll i'll i'll, I'll spot it everyone's atting thanks Anyway, right, so there's this front cover. Nice. Rail for All is what the report's called. Delivering a modern zero-carbon rail network in Scotland. Uh, it's a policy briefing, um, and this is, to my mind, the only the only document like this that has been created, certainly in modern history, by any national party. Um, any at all. Uh, the MS Edge annotation feature, if you have a suitable device, uh, produces PDFs that aren't massively large. There's, see, I could... Um, th th there, there are a variety of ways I could do PDF viewing. Maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll pro it. But to be honest, I think it's quite clear enough. I, I think so long as I'm describing it, people can sort of see what's going on. Particularly in these, it's quite nicely laid out. So, um, um, it's worth saying this document was put together by um, Deltix Transport Consulting. Um, yeah, it's for John Finney. Yeah, I thought so. Um, Deltix, the, the chap, the main chap in Deltix actually has an anti-HS2 view, but which does not, I have to say, does not strongly does not come across in this report um, because, well various things I'll, I'll we'll, we'll point out the shade that's um thrown on it in any case um so it, it's basically and this is uh, throughout this whole thing i say uh, bold and realistic actually it's quite modest in, and, and one of my criticisms of it is, is its modesty in terms of what it proposes but i kind of i suppose there's two 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 fronts on that one the scottish rail network is pretty small so actually there's only so much money you can spend on it um Although they're they're kind of fairly ambiguous about some of the bigger spend items, maybe that's that's a, a criticism. We'll get there later, but but basically it, it it's quite it is quite robust. They they go into costings and, and yeah, so the rail network is there's only so much you can spend on it, and and um, as a result of that, the numbers we're talking about, the capital investiture numbers, are quite small. Um, in any case, uh, let me let's see. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what am I going to do now? I'm going to tell you about the contents. Let's go through. So the way this is structured, um, the first thing they tackle is is the admin side, actually. They talk about the admin of the railway, which I'm glad they did first because you can't fix anything. Infrastructure, infrastructure is useless if you are not organizing the, the, sufficiently to, to either plan, deliver, work out what that needs to be, and then get the operations right. So you need to deal with the admin first, the structure, the, the, the shape of the railway. Um, and indeed, the current government in Scotland has just, you know, the Scottish government has just announced kind of part one or, or part two of that. So we'll, we'll come to that in a second. Um, so that's not, chapter one is talking about creating the delivery infrastructure, how to deliver how to deliver this railway network, um, which is good. Uh, and there's some good stuff in there, I think. Uh, number two, and, and then basically after that, to be honest, for the next, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sections eight sections talking about um is anyone getting any audio feedback by the way is it, is it buzzing or is it all right 
eight sections um and it kind of they're splitting down again annoyingly similar how to i i had in my original network 2050 draft uh which is kind of going through the the headline the intercity services and basically working down in, in speed and, and and in terms of um essentially looking at the backbone and then breaking out into the if you imagine the rail network as a fractal you're breaking down into the kind of the tendrils or, or a tree if you like you're going out into the branches which is where you get to the kind of the rural services um yeah it's good stuff and they talk about stations they talk about freight uh zero carbon rail yes it's um it's it's well stopped, and then they finish off with a couple of key things. They they finish off talking about zero carbon rail, um, talking about the costs of the of this these proposals, of this plan, um, and then they talk they they end talking about COVID. And I think it's a really important way to round out a document. Any document talking about public transport at the moment needs to essentially avail people of their misapprehensions about the world after COVID, or or rather the world in endemic rather than pandemic COVID, because COVID ain't going away anytime soon. So. Um, yeah, uh, sensibly structured, basically. So that's what you can basically say about a contents page, isn't it? Let's go to the next page. So, um, so these are these are the, so they kind of start off with with five principles, which are, but this is basically the executive summary for for those who are too lazy to flick through. Um, so, uh, thanks for letting me know that the audio is perfect, roaming ad crap, very kind. Hello to everyone, by the way. Um, 100 people watching, I'm glad to have you all with us. That's crazy. I don't know, what, it's, it's a PDF, everyone. I mean, I'm glad to have you all, and hopefully it's interesting. If you've got questions or suggestions or thoughts, I know there's a little bit of a delay, but um, they normally come in, I'm usually on the same page by the time they come through, so uh, yeah, should be fine. So, these five principles are, everything proposed here in the accompanying expert report is based on existing technologies. It's funny they have to explicitly say that, but I'm so glad they do, because the only way we're going to get this stuff happening quickly is by using the stuff. As I always say, I've said a dozen times, a dozen, a dozen times, um, we've solved transport. <laughs> Technology-wise, we've, we've done it. We've solved it in the same way that we've solved potable water and uh, solved electricity transmission. We know how to do that. We've, we've done that now. Um, what we need to do is roll it out. The, 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 the challenges are not technological. They're political. Um Number two, uh, the rail network should be zero carbon and full electrification is the best way of doing this, given that the often suggested alternative, hydrogen from renewable energy, is a limited resource that is best used in sectors where there are no alternatives, such as heavy industry. It's very sensible. Um, there, is, there is a place for hydrogen on the rail network, I think. Um, but this point of the fact that if you're going to use hydrogen as a resource, you'd be better to use it on things like, for example, you know, shipping or 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 other or or kind of where you you basically need to burn something um hydrogen is the way to be doing that not uh, the railways when you can power railways with electric you, you, there is an easy straightforward way of powering railways um so yeah it's uh, i think that's not an unreasonable um stance to take um that's fair enough they, they, so they're basically taking a uh, an anti-hydrogen stance which which I, I don't think is necessarily unsensible um it does. It does mean that uh, that means that they are they that they cannot use battery on the West Highlands. So ultimately, means talking about electrification up the West Highlands, up the far north. So that's kind of interesting. We'll maybe get to that. Number three of the principles: uh, journey times should be significantly reduced, particularly between key Scottish cities and economic centres, to enable rail to become the dominant mode for long distance travel. Absolutely critical point that seems totally lost on their pa pals down south of the border. Um. And I, when I'm talking about HS2, I rarely make the journey time argument because it's too easy for people to then just ignore it because it's the one they've heard a lot. But actually, journey times are important. They are important. Um, journey time, improving journey times, 
is directly correlated to driving modal shift, particularly away from air, but also from roads. Uh, and in Scotland, road is, is, is often, you know, it's not air, it's road is often the competitor on the longer distances. So, um, yeah, that is critical. And, and, it's, and the fact that they state that explicitly as the third thing on this list of, of, of principles is, I think, um, kind of one in the eye to the GPW. Anyway, so uh, number four, all communities of more than 5,000 people should be connected to the National Rail Network. And where this is not possible at realistic cost, they should be provided with an integrated coach route as part of the National Strategic Rail Network. Absolutely agree with this. This is such a powerful, powerful uh, principle. Um, and this is essentially calling to tact, tact far plan to tact plan, which is a thing I've talked about on RailNet quite a bit, which is a reference to um, it is a reference to the idea that there should be a baseline minimum provision at any uh, at any settlement. And, and indeed, if you go to the Swiss, uh, if you go to Switzerland, uh, villages down to tiny populations are guaranteed a minimum reliable like minibus service right the way up to you know an intercity frequency mainline depending on the size of the settlement so this is a, this is the right way to look at a rail network and and i'm i am working behind the scenes on on, a, on an automatic system to essentially show what a network should look like in in the in great britain um based on population density that, that's some fun stuff that i'm working on at the moment but it's based on that same principle um you don't go what you don't go, oh, what railways used to exist? Oh, we should reinstate those. No, no, you go, what towns, what settlements, what people, I talk about people-led people, people -led solutions, what people are currently not provided for by our public transport network. This is a really good principle. So I'm a big fan of that, that number four. Uh, number five, rail freight gets a mention, which is really important. Rail freight showed itself to be resilient throughout the pandemic. This is absolutely true. Simon, you're in the chat. You can confirm this. You're making your tea at the moment, I think, but I'm sure you can nod on this. Um... It showed itself to be resilient throughout the pandemic and a continued shift in freight from road to rail will substantially reduce carbon emissions and ease congestion on the road network. Absolutely. Uh, key corridors would be the intercity corridors actually for freight in, in Scotland. The A9 corridor over over uh, Dromochter, absolutely critical. You know, Dromochter and Slocht, so Perth to Inverness, critical one. Lots of freight travels that route and should be almost entirely shifted where it can be onto rail. No reason not to. But if you're going to do that, you need to double the whole thing and electrify it. Um, hint, hint. We'll get there. So yeah, uh, five really strong principles. Uh, I'm seeing some Green Party of England and Wales members getting uh, envious of these already in the chat. So uh, yeah, um, it's true, Richard. Oh, I just want to highlight under this, but this first paragraph in the introduction, I love it. Whilst many, I'm going to read this out. Uh, should I do it in an exaggerated Scotch? Should I do it in like my? Should I heart back to my Inverurie roots? Whilst many European countries have built high-speed lines and long-distance connections that crisscross the continent and provide an affordable, comfortable and low-carbon option for commuting, business and leisure travel, Scotland, and Britain as a whole, has systematically underinvested in the rail network in favour of roads. Wonderful if the Green Party of England and Wales could just make that explicit statement. In any case, that first sentence, first written sentence in the document, essentially the first part of the body of the report, is explicitly throwing shade on the Green Party of England and Wales. And I'm all for it. I am here for this shade. I love it. Um, in any case. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to read out every page. I just love this opening is just sort of explaining. And, and they use the example, the classic example of Edinburgh to Dundee in 57 minutes compared to today's 64 minutes. So it's got slower. Um, yeah, that's because we got rid of the direct line. Although that direct line was got rid of uh, by British Rail as part of the agreement they would get more autonomy, they'd get their own Scottish region. Um, 
and they they had to sell it to the people building the M90, well, to the government basically building the M90. Um, as part of their agreement, they had to shed certain mileage of network, and that 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 saw the chop because as a line, strategic benefit, but it didn't have much population on it, so that one that got the chop rather than the five, uh, the five coast, um, which in hindsight was deeply stupid. Um, I mean, the, the alignment of that old route wasn't great in honesty, but it, interestingly, that was built when the fourth bridge was built, so that that was one of the lines that was built to serve the fourth bridge. Go and read my medium piece on the fourth bridge where I talk about when the fourth bridge was built and the connecting infrastructure was hopeless alongside it. Anyway, um, one of the things I think will be interesting through this when I pick this up, I'm conscious it's already 25.2. This isn't going to be a two-hour max one, I, I promise. In any case, um, one of the things that's interesting is I do have, and, and people can look up the old uh, Scottish route strategy. I don't know if it's been updated, the old route utilisation strategy for Scotland. I think, I think it has been. I think there is a newer one which talks about um, the things that are basically in the works that Network Rail Scotland are kind of thinking about. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of make sideways reference to those through here, um, although my knowledge might be a little out of date because that hopefully has just been uh, updated. Um, uh, hopefully it has been refreshed because there's a lot going on behind the scenes in Transport Scotland at the moment. Anyway, right, let's get into this, this this now. So, section one, creating the delivery infrastructure. This is the bit where we're talking about the admin, the admin stuff. And they've broken it down to four kind of headlines, which are um, to streamline decision-making processes and rebalance them in favour of rail, um, to create one publicly owned operator, um, to make a strategic decision to deliver a modern zero-carbon rail network in a line behind this. We'll unpick all these in a second. And the fourth is to establish a task force and pl- to plan and steer the expansion and improvement of the rail network. This last one is... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come to it. So the first one, streamline decision making processes. So this is this this really is talking about the fact that there are several overlapping and duplicating processes to decide whether infrastructure investment is a good idea. Um, so just like uh, south the border, you've got WebTag in Scotland, you've got uh, STAG, Scot- uh, STAG, but uh, the Scottish Transport Appraisal Guidelines, or sorry, the Scottish Transport Appraisal Guidance. Um, process which is extremely detailed complicated time-consuming costly blah blah blah. its application by transport scotland is pedantic and it leads to major additional costs for proposed developments yeah i i buy into this 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 obsession with with building complex business cases is as a result of the lack of this document or rather what this document would lead to if the government had one of these and and this apply by the way everything i'm going to talk about i'm going to talk about it in scotland context but it absolutely applies and i'm sure everyone watching will see how it applies to the whole of great britain um the idea is basically the reason they have all these business cases because there's no strategic view of what the rail network should look like and what it should achieve you go through all these silly business case things to work out oh is this individual is this individual little project that i've got blinkers on looking at actually worth doing you don't need to do those processes if you know that the thing you're proposing to do fits within the wider strategy. You need a lot less analysis to go, oh, well, yeah, that. So double tracking the the. You don't need to do a bit. You basically don't need to do a business case. You have you just have such a long list of no regrets projects like doubling the Highland Main Line, electrifying it. That solves. There is nothing that doesn't solve. There are no regrets in doing that. So you don't need to go through what would be probably the best part of two or three million quids worth of stag to decide that it's a good idea and just dispense with that. So, so that's kind of about what this discussion is. It's also considering the fact that GRIP, which is the, the guide, the uh, governance for rail investment projects, um, uh, which is the network rail process, which is, which is fine. Like GRIP is people moan about GRIP all the time. Like, don't get me wrong. There, there are issues with GRIP. Sure. And there, there are you know, areas where GRIP could be improved, but actually GRIP just follows the standard process of any project, you know, uh, scope, spec- you know, specifying, scoping, outline design, detail design, construction, 
uh, then post-construction review, you know, the testing, commissioning, all this. That is a project cycle that happens everywhere. So you, you cannot, you can get rid of grip, but the, the that project process still exists. You still need to have stage gates to actually go through those and make sure you've done the right thing. So you can't get rid of grip, but what you can do is see where the two, where there are essentially hoops you have to jump through for grip and stag, then it makes no sense to be doing there it makes no sense to be duplicating that so it make it does make sense to have a holistic view of what the process is to decide that a railway project should happen and then get rid of the duplication and streamline it this makes sense so um yeah I, i'm all for that one so let's go so the next one is kind of obvious and is about to happen anyway uh create one publicly owned operator so scotland's railway network is sort of already i'd argue basically doing this now anyway um, in Scotland, the fragmentation of the rail network is very limited because already you've got one talk, you've got Network Rail Scotland, and they're both under Alex Hines now. So they are operating broadly in the sense, and given that ScotRail is about, is, is as we've just uh, seen, about to be uh, national, well, not nationalised, there's no such thing as nationalisation, it's about to be brought under state you know, state control. Basically, the, the Scottish government is going to stop, deny, just like the, the Westminster government can, they're going to stop pretending that it isn't entirely under government control because that's all privatization is. All they're doing is paying someone to to pretend that they're in charge, in control of the railway. That's literally what the function of franchising uh, is, or certainly was until the pandemic. Um, it's now completely collapsed, obviously. So, so basically, that's that's what's recommended, and that's happening already. So, win. Um, next, right. So, the strategic decision. This relates to what I was just talking about. So, this is relating to electrification, particularly. And it's saying that the Scottish government, as early as possible, needs to make a clear strategic decision to prioritise delivery of electrification, basically. Um, what they're saying is, don't faff around with that with the, with the electrification plan. Yes, that's now broadly published, but it's not set in stone. It needs to just be set in stone entirely and ideally accelerate. That's really what's being said here in, in, in point three. Uh, if you've got queries, do at me in, by the way. Um, does this count as abolish the Treasury on the bingo? Uh, Michael C., uh, I'm not sure it does, but that probably did. Uh, then the last one, the last one's more interesting, and, and and there's always the risk that this becomes a talking shop. Like theoretically, this is what like the, the, this this number four, the, the establishing a task force to plan and steer the expansion improvement of the rail network. This is sort of what Transport Scotland should do anyway, and should should. So you don't want to you don't want to duplicate work. You don't want to do any empire building. There's always the risk you end up with blokes trying to do empire building when you create a new sort of uh, task force. And you do not. And the last thing you want is is blokes doing empire building, which is exactly what is currently happening with with the ta- battles between Transport for the North. To ex- to an extent, was a bit of blokey empire building. Um, there was quite a lot of blokey empire building at the top of that organisation, uh, as evidenced by some of its conferences. I have to say, but uh, behind the scenes, a lot of good stuff was happening, and and that's now being pooped on by uh, current government. Um, Blokey empire building is bad, but I, I can understand, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with what's being said here, which is the idea of just essentially having uh, having a dedicated. I think what they're trying to say is having a dedicated team that that, that does rolling programs of all of these things, not just electrification, but new stations. Um, the so, so essentially, all their sections in here, they want a team to be dedicated on delivering this and getting good at delivering it, understanding with the legislative and engineering uh, kind of hurdles that that, that get ta- that that you have to tackle to deliver these things and then get good at it so i, I can i kind of so so the, the thing well we've got one two three four five six sort of task forces they've outlined so the first is stations the second is uh, is actually reopening existing or, or making existing freight lines work for passenger um trains so that's fine uh the next one is uh 
electrification rolling program. The one after that is small-scale electrification to eliminate pockets of diesel working. So it's on a separate team to deliver that. That's kind of fair enough because there are quite different beasts having, you know, um, uh, major program electrification compared to small-scale infill electrification are arguably slightly different beasts. That's fair enough. Um, provision of large numbers of low-cost old electrical trickle charge points at railway station car. Okay, so they've kind of thrown in a bit of a, yeah, basically trying to encourage all electric travel. So, so making converting parking spaces into electric parking spaces and a team to deliver that that's fair enough fits within a broader transport plan which is good but they're they're not saying too much more detail about that which i think is fair enough i'm pointing at this screen by the way if i look at like i'm being a bit weird because i have it on this screen over here even though it is actually in front of me as well on my dashboard um uh, the next one the last one is then development of walking and cycling plans for every single station um provision of electric bikes and kind of tying that in together so yeah so that, that kind of all makes sense those are sorts of um yeah those, those are the sorts of things uh matt reed asks uh, does scotland have more money to spend on its railways it, it doesn't know but it well it, it chooses to um transport is devolved to scotland um scotland's in charge of its pot of money as as wales should be but isn't um scotland's in charge of its own transport budget and spends still quite a trivial amount compared to the amount that they spend on roads so so they should be spending more the, the s&p are pretty pro roads um despite the the positive things that we see south of the border actually they're, they're quite pro road so it's quite nice to see um the green party challenging them on that actually so so yeah um right so that's all very fine and good let's go into this first section which is where it gets fun so particularly this map here you can see uh see this map which is the one that everyone talks about uh so this is talking about the intercity serv uh, services of the of the of the country, and what I'm going to do is go through kind of the bullet points and describe what they say, and then I'll come back to the fourth tunnel because I know that's what you're all here to to talk about. But actually, I think I want to talk about um, each of the individual routes first. So, uh, how are we doing time wise? Quarter two already. Blinking egg. So first of all, they're talking Glasgow, Stirling, Perth, Dundee. It's already relatively fast. Upgrades still needed to cut carbon reduced travel times yeah i need to i like to find the rest of the line yep that's all fine and fairly sensible we can reduce journey times a bit um edinburgh perth and dundee um these are pathetic frankly for intercity lines um i always get frustrated i was really frustrated when dundee had its waterfront rebuilt and the land cleared above the stupid dundee tunnel and the opportunity wasn't taken to straighten out the stupid kink and rebuild the the railway tunnel um coming out of dundee towards the north because it's, it's just pants Anyway, um, so they're talking about that in this. They're talking about the fact that long stretch of single track um, up to Perth with speeds down to 30 and 50 miles an hour, which is pathetic for intercity lines. Yeah, fully agree. It's rubbish. Um, major investment needed. Absolutely agree. Uh, the West Coast Main Line. So here we're getting interested. Uh, and indeed, there are longer term plans to do. In fact, I say longer term plans. The Transport Scotland are currently looking at uh, in, in, in practical and sensible detail work, not just north of the Scottish border on the West Coast Main Line, but south of the Scottish border on the West Coast Main Line to deliver, um, by the time HS2 opens in full, to deliver three hour services to Glasgow and Edinburgh. So that work is, is ongoing and, and strongly, uh, strongly likely to happen, actually, um, as long as HS2 is finished. Uh, West Coast Mainland, so they're talking about congestion between Carstairs and Glasgow. Yeah, that's a major challenge. Um, and it's congested to the point where you, and because it's in a suburban and urban area, you'd struggle to do anything other than uh, entirely segregating, just as ha has happened into Birmingham, uh, into Manchester, into Leeds and, and London as part, uh, and Euston as part of um, HS2. So, real challenge. Um, so, they're talking about a program of upgrades, including a high speed bypass from south of Carstairs to west of Rutherglen. And a high-speed link towards Edinburgh using the existing shots line, uh, so long as it parallels and does not 
display shots services because uh you know you you start undoing capacity benefits if you um display stuff off the shots line uh provision of more loops for freight so whatever that has that looks like it has to be very well integrated with with uh freight as well because it's an incredibly busy freight corridor over the top of btic um on the on the west coast mainland uh, alongside the uh, the m74 um very very busy line so yeah already we've seen them recommending strongly recommending well not just recommended they are advocating for high speed lines so yeah very very different to the party south of the border very very different so um michael c is uh, yeah we're, we're, you're right lots of assertions about the tunnel you, you, michael c you're absolutely right in your assertions but we'll get there in a minute the other corridors, the Dundee-Aberdeen line is talking about incremental improvements alongside electrification, uh, getting rid of manual signalling with automatic, you know, proper, actually, you know, 20th century signalling rather than Victorian signalling. Um, longer loops. So they're not saying full double tracking, they're just saying longer loop, dynamic loops to allow, um, yeah, uh, trains to not get in each other's way. Uh, the Highland Main Line, this is a good one, it's two-thirds single track, which is a major restriction on capacity. So that here they actually say they add they say adding dynamic loops uh, to the line, extending shorter existing loops. Um, they say that so another thirty miles of double track would be enough to make a, a substantial difference in capacity. Um, basically, being kind of realistic, and this is why I talk about the pragmatism. Like I would like the whole line to be double, but they're basically they've worked out that they can get a lot with just thirty miles worth of of, of double track. Fair enough. And so they're saying ideally the whole line would be double track, but in, this is their words now. Ideally. Ideally, the whole line would be double track, but in our proposal, in addition to electrification, oh, they've not worded that right, but our proposal, in addition to electrification, would deliver major improvements quickly and lay the groundwork for full dueling. It's pragmatic, it's sensible. Um, I think it's, you know, much as I'd like the whole lot to be doubled, I think it's it's indicative that this is not just uh, a, a pie-in-the-sky wish list. They are, they are taking some pragmatic... And it's not so much about cash. There's some people talking about paying for one thing before the other. Not, cash is unimportant. Uh, money is free. Uh, capital expenditure is free. The issue is is limited resources and time. There's only so much we can do at once We're given a given a limited pool of, of, of engineering resource north of the border. Um, I'll point out that we a lot of Scottish... Engin- a lot of engineering for Scottish projects for Network Rail right now happens in England. There is there are simply not enough engineers to deliver the work happening in Scotland at the moment. And actually, because there's so much Scottish work, it props up a lot. It employs a lot of English engineers um, at the moment as well. So, um, so this, uh, yeah, so this is like it's 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 reassuring to see this um, see this kind of pragmatic approach. Uh, so this is them saying Aberdeen Inverness. That's my old home turf, um, Inverroo to to Inverness. There, it's a long single track line. Slow by intercity standards. It's got a maximum speed of 75 miles an hour. Most of it's at 60. Electrify it, stick dynamic loops in, get rid of level crossings and lengthen stations. Would uh, bring journey times down to under an hour 45, which would compare to the existing fastest service at uh, 2 hours 9. So it's not a huge improvement, but a de- decent improvement. Um, that's sort of supposedly been in the works for a very long time, but it's been pushed back quite a few times. Um, David Shepard, yeah, I think you're right. That is basically what they mean. Yeah, so so getting the thirty miles of double track up and running, and then and then once that's already in operation, you can then yeah, once you've won that, rather than wait for the whole lot, you can then continue doing doubling uh, later. Yeah, exactly. And then they talk about the East Coast Main Line, so down from Edinburgh towards um, kind of through East Lothian, and then towards uh, Newcastle, um, and they talk about the fact that there there are lots of fast bits up to 125 miles an hour. Uh, the the line is much slower south of Dunbar. Uh, capacity is limited there aren't enough loops all this sort of thing and they're saying again it's a, it's a it's a problem uh, that needs to be resolved 
and that we need to grade separate Portobello Junction in Edinburgh. That's going to be a beast of a work of a of a bit of work that, but but necessary because there's a lot going on there, particularly with the frequency of services down the Borders Railway. Real real conflict, and they need to four track um, that inner part in, in in Edinburgh as well. That is not explicitly mentioned um, here. Oh no, they do. Yeah, sorry, a section of four track railway to allow more services to East Lothian. Yeah, so I think they are basically referring to the fact that you need to four-track the line wherever it's in Edinburgh. Um, so that's good. Again, uh, sensible stuff. So I'm not skipping it, don't worry. Let's talk about this tunnel then. Um, and this is... Um, this is... This is the this is the bit you, you're, a lot of you are here for, I think. Um, and yes, as Michael C. pointed out, basically think of this tunnel as a bit like the arguments I make for HS2. This is not to replace the current route over the 4th, uh, so over the fourth fantastic fourth bridge, but the issue you have is um, I should have I should basically have put the um, I should have put the map onto a thing so I could scribble on it. Now let me uh, let me have a think. See if I can actually do that right now. Uh, let me let me think. Where did I put it? Ah, yeah. No, I can't. I I don't think I can. But what I can do is. Uh, well, yeah, so I can describe and hopefully everyone gets what I mean. So as was the case when the fourth bridge was built, actually, um, both the north and south, uh, the, 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 railway, the railway networks, both north and south of the bridge, are heavily congested because you've got a horrible mix of stopping services, through services, um, different types of... Uh, you, you've got freight kind of in amongst some of it as well. Just an absolute pig of, a, of a, an operating timetable. Just just a real mess. Um and upgrading that, it's all horribly complicated and expensive to do because everything's built right up against. It's two track. Um, you can't really do much more over the bridge. Uh, you know, you can electrify it, but other than that, um, real challenges in terms of everything either side is just super congested. So if you're going to upgrade either side, you then end up with a pinch point of the fourth bridge. And upgrading either side would cost billions. Don't get me wrong, billions. You'd need to, be, not least, because you you've got the challenge of the heavily constrained corridor between Waverley and Haymarket. Four tracks um, and utterly saturated. You cannot squeeze any more trains through there. Um, the only way you could more tra- get more trains through there is by coupling up three or four consists in Haymarket and pushing them through all in one lump. You just, It's just nightmarishly busy. So actually, a good the, the reason why this tunnel option is clever is not only does it bypass all of the congestion on the Fife Coast, bypasses all of the congestion on the approaches uh, through Guile and um, and and kind of uh, into Edinburgh, that side, through Haymarket. But it bypasses that congested four-track section between Waverley and Haymarket, which is absolutely full, and there's nothing you could do other than putting another two tracks along there to fix it. And no one is... There is not a chance in hell that you can put another two tracks through um, uh, along that corridor unless you bury them underneath I just it's not going to happen you know it's in the middle of Edinburgh it'd be horribly complicated you'd be buying up sections of uh, Printer Street Gardens it just ain't happening just is not happening um, and so uh, yeah forget that so the only thing you can really do is either you do something about bypassing it with the south sub but that's it's not really practical so it's quite clever to then go well okay Firstly, Leith is a massive urban area, one of the den- most densely populated areas in Europe, and it doesn't have its own station. It does, it's not connected by the main line to the, to a mainline railway uh, to the mainline railway network. So reinstate a Leith, you know, recreate a, a, a new Leith station, um, connect that with with infrastructure whizzing down using a mixture of existing uh, stuff and and new alignment, 
And then as you approach the coast where you've got plenty of, of brownfield site plus docks to bring equipment and stuff in to, to, to build the tunnel, like it's a really obvious, you know, it's coastal. You can set up the tunnel boring equipment there, build a big box, put it all down, tunnel up towards, uh, you know, up in the direction of Waverley and then down out under the fourth. Actually not that crazy an idea. And then you put your tunnel underneath. Tunnels, okay, they're expensive. They're big, they're big, big hitter items, but they're reasonably... Once you've set it up, you can it churns and goes, and then it's done. It's quite It's quite quite. It's not super easy, but it's quite predictable engineering. We've got a reasonably good geological understanding of the fourth. Um, we've tunneled under the fourth in from one end to the other um, before, not that long ago. Um, it's, it's over at the end. I think it's just off the map, actually, uh, kind of uh, westwards. There was two coal mines that connected underneath the fourth, but we've cut tunneled under the fourth uh, several times, mostly in mining. Um, so it's not this is not entirely untried territory. And then you connect up to the north, and you you link up the Kirkcaldy, which is a major urban area, um, sub G Brown, um, and um, yeah, and then you connect up into the into the network there, and then whiz northwards to to towards uh, Dundee uh, and uh, Aberdeen onwards, and also connecting up Perth Express uh, and Inverness. So. This is this is being pitched as an alternative to to reconnecting uh, northwards of, Inver, of of kind of um, uh, of of Inverkeithing and north uh, that kind of that directly north. Wait a minute, let me just quickly do something here. Uh, there we are. Uh, I just need to remind myself of. Uh, let me see. Yeah, so basically going north from. Pretty much north from like Dunfermline, uh, that line uh, that d d no longer exists. The idea is basically like they don't think they need that if they um, if they build this tunnel, it avoids that work, um, and it also means that then you, you it's easier for you to then make kind of incremental upgrade. You don't need to do as much upgrading if you're not having services that are bypassing. You can have stopping services, then you can do more incremental work on the existing lines um, either side of the fourth bridge. So it's clever. It's it's a clever idea. Um, Yes, so um, that is uh, there's lots of chat going on, but not not any ads. So I'm be I'll be uh, I'll be happy with that. That's that's fine. Don't seem to be any questions. I'm pleased with this. Not much unexplored ordnance in the fourth, probably plenty. But there's never it's it's not hugely deep, so it's not the end of the world. Uh, you can just find it, and blow it up. Um, basically, the, the, as with to be honest, as with the the crossing of Northern Ireland, the engineering can do these things. It's just it doesn't make sense. And in this case, I think it does. This is bold and got a lot of people going. Oh, it's bad, but actually. I think it's quite sensible. I think it's a sensible plan. Um, it might seem quite bold, but good, because sometimes you do need bold. So I'm I'm all for it. And, and in terms of cost, they're pitching, I think they're pitching at 6 billion-ish. Oh, 7 billion. Up to up to 6.8 billion, they were sort of saying. Um, that's pennies. Come on. It would be built over, what did I say? I think I did this in my thread about it. It'd be like, the time it was built over, it'd be like less than a billion a year. It's just, in fact, that's the whole plan in total. So it's just fine. It's fine. Do it. Um, I, I think it's an excellent idea. And also, you could take fast suburbans over as well, because essentially you should be using all electrics that have the same forms anyway. You could fly fast suburbans over and, and connect up to, to Kirkcaldy and, and kind of Leavenmouth even uh, and was down and, and access Edinburgh from that side. And, and kind of you can kind of balance up. So you wouldn't... I, I'd be pleasing William Barter because, uh, by saying this, but you could still have a mixed timetable pattern through that tunnel, given the fact that it's a long tunnel without anything pestering, you know, nothing to, to get in the way. You can just, everything can just fly through there. So, um, fairly sensible. Um, so, uh, I don't know about, in terms of actual pathing, I've no idea about in terms of how many extra services you get over the bridge, but um, 
Uh, that's really that's that's kind of a complicated question, really, to be honest. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, Richard Smith says it's a much better use of tunnels than using it on the HS2 to satisfy some NIMBYs in the Cotswolds. Well, yeah, that's true. Right. It's now eight o'clock. We're late, as ever. You all knew it would happen, but I don't think we're going to... Oh, I'm only on three. <sighs> right. Let's see. Let's see where we get to, shall we? So... Um, we're into section three, regional services. That was just intercity services we were talking about. Now we're talking about regional services. So most regional services are now running on a half-hour frequency. Um, so to grow capacity, the focus needs to be on lengthening trains to eight or nine carriages. Um, the Glasgow network is intensively used and heavily congested, uh, suffers from too many single-track branches, junctions, and has poor links to, from Edinburgh to everywhere southwest of Glasgow. Yeah, so they're talking about this is basically fairly pragmatic redoubling of, of single-track lines that were doubled. So th- in theory, not a huge amount of work, although redoubling single track lines, it's not as easy as just laying a track back because often the track's been re-centralized, um, sorry, centralized when it's been singled. Um, S&C is complicated. Signaling is complicated. And um, often a, a, two, a, a two-track corridor as built in the, you know, the 1800s is, or, or even, the, you know, um, even compared to what we would have done in the middle of the 1900s, uh, is much narrower than a two-track corridor now. So, um, keep going until the ballet finishes, says Roman Adekar. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that can be tricky, but I think it is sensible to propose it. Um, it's talking about uh, junction upgrades, grade separation in and around Glasgow particularly. Um, a new overground terminal station should be developed at Argyle Street Station, which is interesting. Um, so, talking about high level of the car at the rear of the St Enoch Centre, um, so this would lead in uh, link into the revived, upgraded, electrified City Union line. So this is kind of acting as as, as kind of elements of the Glasgow Crossrail sort of type uh, service. So, so it's a lot of, a lot of this is about Glasgow. Glasgow is like a key pinch point for the whole Scottish railway network because everything comes in from every angle in it, and everything, things go wrong in Glasgow or problems in Glasgow. It, it ripples across the whole the whole of the country. Um. So. There we go. So now this is this is interesting. This is another box that um, uh, this is another box that refers to the Green Party of England and Wales. So um, let's talk about that box first. They talk about local environmental impacts. The, the Rail for All program focuses on upgrading existing lines because this is the most efficient, environmentally positive way of enhancing the network. But it also contains some proposals for entirely new infrastructure and reopening old lines that may have an impact on the local environment. We would expect all infrastructure projects to be developed in a way that minimizes impact. And where there are objections, we would hope to see them resolved in collaboration with local communities as was done with borders so they're kind of just they're kind of just saying exactly what happens really which is um and this is this is not throwing shade on new lines because that's what's happening currently hs2 is not a larger spend than will we will spend more on the existing railway network over the lifespan of hs2 being delivered than hs2 the hs2's headline so just as is the case in in england um or you know as a, as a gb project hs2 is 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 not the majority of railway investment that's happening between you know 2010 and 2045 or whenever it's going to end up being completely uh kind of delivered um so that's kind of fair enough it's a fair point um and again they're talking about it so then they jump onto the edmund network uh they talk about you know single track sections lack of overtaking loops uh borders was an enormous success built down to a price very low capacity so already very limited yeah yeah just just key things double double tracking large sections of the borders they talk about all, all pretty sensible stuff these are they're kind of interesting they talk about regional services but actually a lot of this is suburban uh improvements so it's yeah it's quite interesting 
Um, they're talking about improvements to the to the secondary main line from Glasgow to Carlisle via Kilmarnock and Dumfries, uh, saying improving that to 100 mile an hour running. Um, again, kind of allowing duplication of regional, you know, allowing service trains and services to run to coalesce more easily, so that they're uh, you know they can slot in amongst each other. And, and you know if you've got a whole network, it, it would be very good not necessarily from a supply chain uh, perspective, but certainly from an operational perspective. If every train did the same thing, every train was you know 125 mile an hour capable, accelerated the same, was all electric. Um, because timetabling makes that makes timetabling a lot easier, because at least then all you have to worry about is the freights, um, and then you know sufficient space in the timetable to allow stoppers and non-stoppers on two-track railways. Anyway, um, let's hop to number four. There's a lot of beaching questions coming up. I should have got the uh, should have got the klaxon option now. A lot of beaching questions appearing. Um, we'll get there. So we're on to four rural routes and rolling stock replacement. So this is good because again, it's acknowledging it's acknowledging the system view of, of the railway network and acknowledging the fact that infrastructure wise, um, sorry, infrastructure is not the not the whole picture. Rolling stock is a major part of, you know, I I, I talk about this a lot. I talk about the potential leaping capacity that HS2 provides. It ain't going to provide it if we don't improve the rolling stock procurement strategy. Well, improve have one. If we don't have an actual rolling stock procurement strategy in in for England and Wales, we're stuffed. So um, you know we need to be ramping up the supply chain and and steadily delivering new rolling stock alongside electrification and, and other such things. Um, now in readiness for the leaping capacity that HS2 can provide. Because if we don't have enough rolling stock to provide that leaping capacity, it ain't going to happen. Um, anyway, so this is talking about. Um, Interestingly, particularly talking about improvements to the southern end of the of the far north line, uh, so Inverness to Thurso, that's because it's actually quite a busy commuting route across the Black Isle. Um, so that's fair enough. Uh, upgrades to the West Highland line to raise the overall speed to 75 miles an hour. Again, there, there are people, you know, it's actually quite well used. And you drive, you you would you would push for, you'd, you'd improve modal shift if you um, improved the journey times on that route. People do use it to go into Glasgow, get get pissed up. And then come home again. I know because I used to travel amongst them when I was on with a rucksack on as a student. With me and Alex going up to up into the hills, um, we'd be in amongst the pissheads on the way back, and and they'd all be getting at Laldi, and we'd be sitting there either knackered and trying to sleep, or kind of feeling re- re- reasonably pleased um, at the level of joviality in the train, you know, um, or frozen to death because the one five six heating had failed. Uh, one of those. Um, another thing they mention is upgrading the uh, antiquated Girvan to Stranraer line. Um, yeah, it's pretty knackered as a bit of railway line, that. Uh, it needs to be heavily upgraded. And so that's what they propose, which is fair enough. So they're kind of picking out a few things there. They're also talking about the rolling stock. So they're saying it's critical that um, these rural routes are replaced with zero carbon stock, but they acknowledge that because rural lines are unlikely to be electrified over significant lengths, uh, independent power sources will be needed. So this is where they talk about hydrogen again, and they talk about the fact that it's a renewable, it's it's a renewable, from renewable sources, hydrogen's a limited resource. Um, they propose battery trains that are able to charge when overhead wires are available as the best option. The trouble for that is that it, this is where this is one of the errors in the report. Basically, it's not, it isn't realistic because battery trains cannot cover the distances that you have on the West Highland or the Far North lines. They just can't. They cannot cover those distances. So. Um, yeah, that that's a major short. That's essentially a shortcoming of the report, and I, I think I understand where they're coming from. But you're going to need, you will need an alt, either you need an alternative in the interim, or you continue running a diesel train. So, um, 
that's essentially the equation. You can't battery just cannot provide anything over 100 kilometers. You cannot get a battery. You can't run a battery train. It's too far. So unless you have, um, unless you slow down the timetable and have them park under a little like rigid, rigid overhead conductor and charge up the charge up the battery in you know Kinlarich or um, or somewhere like that, um, which I don't think is going to happen quickly enough. I just don't think it's realistic. I, I don't think it's realistic. Doesn't mean they shouldn't continue to look into it. Maybe that is the possible. You know, maybe you have fast charging at Kinlarich and Fort William, but I, I don't. I don't think it's enough for that for that route to be honest. So this is a bit of a problem with the report. It's a bit of a yeah, I think it's a bit of a gap in in the report's understanding of the of the engineering. But that, you know, you can't be perfect, can it? Um, right. Okay. Here's another bit where. Here's another bit where I don't necessarily disagree. Actually, we'll we'll come to this. I, I'm. I have an interesting. I, I can't make my mind up on tram train. Are they bad? Are they? Are they they're they're bad trains and they're bad trams because they're not serving the number of stops they would be if they were on road and they're not serving and they're not quick as quicker as say as 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 optimized as they would be if they were on uh if they were just trains on rails so mixed feelings but i have to say they are a they are a very clever option in the way that's being discussed here as a way to quickly deliver um as a way to very quickly deliver um upgrades um yeah, I, and there's some interesting discussions going on at the moment about reopening the line to Bankery as part of the kind of local election propaganda coming out, of it, particularly from the SNP up in Aberdeen, um, and Aberdeen and kind of Aberdeenshire. What is it, Aberdeenshire South? Is it, I can't remember what the constituencies are. The Scottish constituencies, constituencies are there anyway, um, and yeah, and, and it kind of relates to this. So this is about tram trains. Section five: tram trains for commuters and urban connectivity. And so the areas they talk about are delivering. So they're talking about tram trains in. So some places I don't agree with. So Glasgow, just the tram train just doesn't feel like a sensible option in in, in Glasgow. Um, the place to be doing this is um, like Glasgow is a very dense, very big city that merits having proper metro services. So for me, I'd be saying expand the Glasgow subway or provide more um, suburban metro density services. So I, I just I, I just think any solution in that where you build tram train you you might as well just go full hog and, and have go for heavy rail. Um, Edinburgh is saying tram trains Musselburgh to Haymarket and then on, on to Edinburgh Park. There's another formatting error in the report there, and the airport um, using a reopened Edinburgh South sub. Yeah, see South sub, the South sub could be tram train and then tie into the Edinburgh tram network, but again you could run. You might find it easier to just have it electrify the south sub, which is kind of planned anyway. Um, electrify the south sub and run electric kind of high density services back and forth, and then tie into a tram network. I, I, yeah, I, in, in Edinburgh and Glasgow, I'm not so sure this is right. However, in Dundee and in Aberdeen, I do think that tram train is a really good option. You've got you haven't necessarily got the huge population density, but you have got the the spread the, the urban sprawl. That, that this would solve you can quickly get things running on 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 road net lines that you can then maybe shift later onto onto rail uh, and, and improve speeds i think those are particularly from, from my perspective aberdeen perfect example up to ellen and across to bankery 
get tram train and uh, and the argument often comes up um yeah but if you do that you need to alter platforms in in aberdeen um no you don't if you go for the manchester metrolink style which is where they have high uh, they have high platform doors so they don't have to so they can use the existing platforms um at heavy rail stations which means ultimately that you could potentially then use heavy rail trains if you wanted to later if you wanted to turn it into a dedicated heavy rail corridor so I think tram train, but with high floors, as in high <laughs> floors at 900-ish millimetres. Um, so they'd have to be RVR compliant anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm... Uh, uh, yes, I, I think that uh, is... No, Edinburgh Tram is not a tram train network. It's just... Uh, it's LRT. It's it's not LRT. It's, it's MCS. So LRT is what it's often called, but actually um, LRT is kind of... I prefer MCS as in medium capacity system because it, it avoids confusing people with thinking of light rail because the Edinburgh Tram is not a light rail system. It's a medium capacity um, transport system. Um, so that means it's kind of like, like modern trams, but it has sections of, of like um, kind of ballasted track that's to tram specifications, but it's, but it's kind of, it's, it's more like German style sort of um, uh, S-Bahn uh, type, uh, not S-Bahn, sorry, Strassenbahn uh, type uh, system. Yes, so, um, yeah, so there's, there's, uh, yeah, Forfra could do with a, with do with heavy rail because it's a bit further out. Agreed, agreed, Harry Main. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, what's the difference between tram train and a flirt? Uh, a flirt is a train. It's just a regular train. Um, right. Anyway, so, uh, so what else have they suggested? Well, that's that's that section five. Section six. So this is where it's getting interesting, and and this is basically this is the reverse beaching page, except that they've not gone reverse beaching, which I'm very pleased about because. Uh, you know, QI Claxon. So this is this is the key. This this for me is one of the most important pages in the whole report, and it's coming back to the five thousand people or more in a in a settlement thing. And what they've done here is point out all of the areas. Uh, bear in mind the east coast of Scotland is generally the more populated side um, than the west coast. Um, you know, okay, Glasgow is very busy; it's on the west coast. But other than that, the majority of the larger populations are in the in the kind of the verdant east uh, where you've got you know lots of rain shadow in there for lots of agriculture and lots of big market towns um and also hoik and pennycook so uh, although erskine is there and not rail served so they've basically listed off fraser repeaterhead west hill forfer st andrews Leavenworth, um broxburn erskine pennycook and hoik as places that are large and don't uh, and are not served and they also list off kind of additional possibilities uh, maybe tram train in in Haddington which is in uh, East Lothian Bankery near Aberdeen or Ish near Aberdeen uh, Strathaven and Newbra in Fife um uh, sorry Strathaven and Newbra in Fife yeah so uh yeah it's sensible these are places that should be served by um by heavy rail or by possibly by tram train and, and so that's what they've kind of detailed they've said these are places that should be rail rail served. It's acknowledging the fact that getting rid of these places that connected to the rail network not only did it diminish, did not not only did it you know if you can't access the rail network you're not going to drive your car to you if you if you're driven your car thirty miles nearest railway station you're just going to drive the whole way. So it's acknowledging that, and then also it's acknowledging the fact that um, accessibility to you know, these places were you know these towns these settlements these large towns were denied they're essentially taken off the map by the lack of rail connection so these places the rail connection even if it's not used elevates them as settlements as places as places people want to be consider moving running businesses you know so on so visiting so on and so forth 
anyone on the borders railway can testify to that recently in in how much it just puts their areas on the map just by merit of the fact there was a railway station there um yeah through tick yeah you're absolutely right richard uh smith the through ticketing is critical absolutely but this page this page is good this is good and, and the and the uk as a whole needs one of these every bit of the uk even even uh the island of ireland northern ireland needs needs this as well um there are so many places in the in in England that are short of a of a connection. Quite a few of them in big urban areas, short of a connection, in fact. But lots of rural rural ones, rural ones as well. This page, fantastic, really good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I like that section a lot. Um, I don't think there's much more to say other than very yeah, at peace with it. And whether it's full, you know, heavy rail or tram train, uh, yeah, I, I think in, you look at it on a case by case basis. But some of these are kind of obvious heavy rail connection wins. Um, others you'd uh, you'd be looking at um, tram train making more sense i think it really depends on what how it fits into a large if it's part of a larger suburban area you might find tram train depending on what the, where the nearest heavy rail line is st andrews they say tram train here i don't think that makes sense i, I think st andrews is too far away from anything else it, you, you, it'd be a bit weird to just have a, a, a tram train back and forth from from uh, lucas to st andrews it'd be a bit weird i mean, just have a heavy rail just have a heavy rail service that runs up and, and, and have a reversing service of some kind that goes up to st andrews and then back um into five for you know downtown Aberdeen. you know maybe have your st andrews as the as the termination uh, you know of one out of four of the of the new tunnel suburban services who knows right section seven so they are talking about reopening lines here, but this is not reopening new line, uh, formerly abandoned lines. This is talking about the conversion of uh, of freight only lines back to passenger operation again. So um, I, the fact they added this in, kind of, the, yeah, this for me harks back a little bit to, you know, it's like if there's a need for it, yeah, but only based on the previous section. I, I'm a bit, I think this is a bit of a a funny one because. This seems like someone's added it in as a quick win. Uh, really, it should fall under the same... I, I'd have preferred it if this was still Section 6 and it was Part 2 of Section 6 as a way to quickly do it because um, the, the Alloa, Cluckman, uh, uh, Kinkerden and Long Annet um, sort of connection, that, that route uh, is kind of an obvious route to, to have passenger services on, but it should be judged on by the same rules as the previous section. So, I, I mean, if you... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Basically, they're saying it. They, they, I think it's possibly because someone who really wants to open this line, the Dunfermline to Alloa line, is wanted to put this in the report. That's all I can. All I can say. I don't know. I, I just. It's a bit of a funny one. Um, it's talking about connections to Fife to the west of Scotland, um, avoiding the Forth Rail Bridge. It, it's sensible. There are lots of sensible reasons for reinstating that uh, passenger operations over that line. Um, you know, uh, they talk about South Sub as well. So through Gorgie, Craig Lockhart, Morningside, Newington, Craig Miller, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, uh, again, that's a line that makes sense. So uh, yeah, uh, fair enough. I, I think fair enough. But I'm I'm kind of ugh, about it. There aren't that many. Uh, Simon's of Kenless has clutching at low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a little bit of a. Uh, I just think it should have been part of section six. It didn't need to be its own section. It it it, it got a bit beachingy when they talked about it. Like this only needs to be evaluated as part of the. You know, it's a strategic benefit to both of those lines being. They they only mention these two, the the Alloa Click Man, you know, the, the the connection. They also mention some of the others. Um, yeah, basically the Dunfermline Alloa line and and the South Sub are the two they mention, and and those are kind of obvious conversions. And I don't know how many others there are really. Um, so yeah, interesting. Right, we're on to rail freight. Sorry, this is running on. Twenty past eight. 
Anyway, um, let's see. So, uh, shifting freight onto rail. Well, this, I don't really need to talk about this. This is just saying, do rail freight more, please. And improving overall railway. Uh, I think it's important to state it, to talk about rail freight, and to make sure that everything is framed in the idea of not forgetting our freight people, not forgetting our freight customers, and not just delivering bare minimum, but expanding on freight provision and passenger provision collectively. It's really important. But I don't have much to say about this one. Rail freight is good. Do that. <laughs> um, and then likewise, on section nine, zero carbon rail. Again, yeah, do that. <laughs> do that. Um, in terms of anything particular that they're talking about, they do want to bring forward the decarbonisation plan. So the electrification, they want to accelerate it more than the current Scottish government plans. Um, they're talking about committing to decarbonisation of the rail network by 2035. Um, and they envisage, again, they're talking about hydrogen here. Um, and they talk about growing the hydrogen economy, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's there's some interesting some interesting discussions there. Talk about inefficiency of making hydrogen from renewables. I, again, if you've got a dedicated wind turbine or, or solar plant that's generating hydrogen, that's fine. D d hydrogen is, that's fine. It's just taking water. I, I don't see that as a problem. So if you're, power, if you're filling your trains up with hydrogen that be, that's being generated by a little solar array in, in Fort William or Queen Larich, that's fine, or Oban, that's fine. So I, again, I, I, I think there's, there's a little bit of, there's a, there's a lack of pragmatism on the hydrogen opposition thing. I know you wouldn't expect me to be here defending hydrogen, right? None of you have expected that. But hydrogen is actually the it, it is a sensible proposal for the for the the Highland the West Island line and for the Far North line. Um, sorry to say, it, but it is it is actually sensible. So, um, so I, basically, there's not much to say again on that section. That other than the hydrogen thing is a bit silly, and they're they're kind of. Calling for a clear policy of electrifying the network and linking this to further increase in renewable energy generation. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and then they talk about battery trains. But this... this, yeah, They're getting a bit... Yeah, they're, they're putting a lot of eggs in the battery basket when batteries are by no means perfect. Uh, whereas... Yeah, I, I don't know. I... Uh, I uh, this is... As I said when I talked about... Kind of in my piece I published on this, this report is not perfect. There's a lot of great stuff in here, but there's, there's some things I don't agree with. Um... James P says, I think the anti-hydrogen fixation stems from an assumption it'll be derived from the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, I think that does cover it to an extent. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. I think that has introduced a bias. It is a perception of it being a... Which, which to, at the moment, that is where the hydrogen comes from. But um, I'm, do, I'm writing a piece on hydrogen at the moment, actually, for rail. that will hopefully go out fairly soon. Um, actually, the plans are currently... The, the, the plans that are closest to coming to fruition uh, for hydrogen are, are in the northeast of England. Those plans are to use no... They're to skip brown hydrogen altogether and go straight for blue and green hydrogen, by which I mean hydrogen from renewable sources. So that's that for me is quite interesting. There's a realisation that... There's a perception that the industry cannot just use... Basically just be the equivalent of burning diesel anyway, which it kind of isn't, but whatever. Um, so there's a, there's a need... There's a desire for that to be... Um, for the hydrogen for the the northern for the kind of the north northeastern hydrogen plans to use green hydrogen, so that's interesting. I I, I plan to write a bit more of that uh, write about, uh, that in my in my real piece. So we'll we'll get to that. And we're we're kind of at the end here. So um, 
so I, I like this the title of this section 10 rail for all costs well for me i, I think they they, they they you could scratch through four and say rail at all costs yeah i'm up for that because that's that's buying into my kind of economics um yeah capex is unimportant but even if even if you do want to frame capex as being important um this is an unbelievably trivial amount of penny this is like what is it one point something billion a year which is less than is currently spent on you know i think it's about the same as it's spent on road bikes in scotland a year so this is not some radical dramatic increase so they've, they've bundled in um i mean the numbers the numbers so the number for new stations is a bit low to my mind it's all in millions 500 million for new stations talk about three billion for new routes that's sound uh, route upgrades so i think all of this in some cases i think some of this is a bit optimistic um but it's still like even if it was even if it's 50 percent more than that it's still not it's still reasonably trivial uh you know it would represent a partial increase in gdp percentage investment but again you get a return on it all so you know there's money going into people's pockets which in turn gets spent there's an increase in en- chance to increase engineering skills which increases the number of high skilled jobs which increase blah 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 so it's positive stuff all around really and you're also increasing the potential for jobs to shift away from more damaging things so you know um where people are working in jobs that probably shouldn't exist anymore airline industry is a good example uh shift those over to rail you know there's a potential to be to be kind of enhancing you know I, i'm not a growth for growth sake eco- uh, ec- I don't have that view of, of the economy. I don't think that's just how the world, you know, capitalism can uh, get stuffed. But, um, but the, you know, elevating people, people kind of getting more in life, it, you know, having having opportunities in life, I think is something to be applauded and pushed forwards. Um, so yeah, so so overall, they say twenty two billion. Um, so it's just it's just not that's just undramatic. No one should be offended by that volume of money. It's just an undramatic amount of money. It really is. Uh, Steve Wood says that uh, the A9 is about 500 million a year at the moment alone. Yeah, well, that's a project that needs to be stopped in its tracks right there. Um, so there we go. Yeah, 20, 22 billion. Nah, it's fine. Um, so they're not including the. So they're, they're kind of t- to an extent distributing the costs of the East and West Coast mainline upgrades uh, kind of out of this. So I don't know if they're included in the total or if they're kind of saying, well, they're including the total, but we'd get some penny on that. Who knows? But basically, it's fine. 22 billion seems kind of sensible to me. And um, and to close off, I, I've already said that I think this is a really good way to close this off. And yeah, they're talking about economic benefit and jobs being created. Um, so it's interesting that they put those kind of front and centre. But the reality is that um, people in Scotland, the, the modal share is high, of Vicar is high. It's high. Scotland's lots of rural areas, roads, you know, people drive everywhere. And there are lots of journeys that can shift to rail. There are lots of easy wind journeys that can shift to rail, particularly in the central belt. And the modal share is improving, has improved dramatically in the last 15 years in the central belt as a result of these improvements in the, you know, Airdrie Bathgate, uh, borders, but particularly electrification as well, has really driven a jump in, in provision. The central belt is the only area outside of London in the UK that operates as a, as a kind of a, an urban hub. You know, multiple cities and urban areas are kind of really uh, working to elevate them above where they would be as individual uh Areas, you know, that doesn't happen anywhere else uh, because everywhere else is uh, either insular thinking or government hasn't allowed uh, kind of combined thinking or devolution to to enable regional uh, kind of regional clustering, agglomeration effects. I think is the official term, right? Only happens in London or inside the M25, should I say? Um, anyway, so 
yeah, they're just talking about economic benefits and blah blah blah. But basically, I'm glad that they are pointing out that the, the, the kind of the key thing is that um, it's about this the idea that the that building sustainable transport is is a key pathway in the recovery for the economic recovery from COVID. Uh, I'd, I'd say maybe forget the economic recovery; it's the social recovery, the, providing people jobs who have maybe lost their jobs. This is a key component in in bringing us and taking us forward into this kind of slightly different world. The world is not going to change a lot as much as a lot of people are saying. Uh, in some cases, that's a bit of a shame. In other cases, it's probably a good thing uh, that it's not changing as much as people are saying because actually a lot more people drive now than they did pre-pandemic. That's horrifying. Um, climate change. We need to be global warming is a major problem, and we cannot just abandon the railways because the numbers have dropped because of a load of policy choices to combat a, a pandemic. So yeah, I'm glad this is the last page because it's important to hammer that point home, as I did in the episode about coronavirus a while back. All the same stuff. Um, Nev, hi, hi to Nev in Kemney. Uh, confirm public transport in rural areas is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inverurie was always quite lucky because we were like the fastest growing town in Europe for quite a while, thanks to the all. Um, we had the we had the 307, which I think has now been squished into the 37. Why did they do that? The 307 was always the bus I used to get. I used to sit on the back of the... Actually, yeah, because nowadays I'm a cool kid, cool kid, and I sit at the front of all double-decker buses because I want to see the view. Back in the olden days, obviously, you sit at the back of the double-decker bus. So being at the back of the double-decker bus with the view at the back window on the, on the A96, uh, going to Aberdeen to, I don't know, what did we, we went to Subway and watched and went to the cinema. That was pretty much like the routine on a on a, on a Saturday. Uh, doing that was awesome, uh, and using my young Scott to to get free bus travel as well. Mint, love that. In any case, um, right, uh, we're going to go into the Q and A section now. So I'm going to go big face. That was the report. That was the report, everyone. Um, thank 110 of you watching. Hopefully that was insightful. I don't know. Was that useless? Was it insightful? Was it helpful? Uh, let's go big face to, to go Q and A before I uh, before I finish. So uh, there are some questions. So Nev, uh, yeah, Nev's pointing out hopefully that the that the there'd be an elevation an element of alleviation of the problems of public transport uh, now that Kintor is back on the rail network. Yeah, agreed. Uh, as long as the bus network is suitably integrated into, it. I don't know. Are they are they doing some more stuff with shifting the bus network, kind of realigning it? I hope so. Um, uh, Lewis, are you from Kemney as well? Oh, I kind of knew that. I think every big up the Kemney massive, uh, nice one. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, next one. David Shepherd. They need to make sure that any new railways in Scotland are able to handle growth in case improved trains induce more demand uh, than anticipated. Well, that always happens. There's a huge amount of constrained public transport demand in the UK. Scotland's no exception to that. So when you do improve things, um, the predictions are always exceeded on rail. Like, <laughs> borders. Borders was hilarious how rapidly it was just oversubscribed and, in, in, and incapable of, of providing the, the level of um of provision uh yeah it just yeah it was it was frustrating but also funny how off all the economic models are and yet we've learned nothing because we're back to square one even transport scotland have been shrink wrapping uh things that they should um uh should really be your know, stairs is a good example of this they've just utterly shrink wrapped that when it should, it should be a possibly and i hope that's because they're looking longer term and they're actually going to just bypass stairs altogether who knows but anyway yeah so um any other questions, folks? Send them in. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick. If, if you send them in, I'll pick them up at the end again. But let's let's go, let's uh, let's go back to let's let's head over here. You know what's about to happen. Ah, oh, that was it. We'll we'll do a bit. Of, we'll, if there are any more questions, I'll answer them just at the very end. But uh, we are available on all of the many many audio platforms. I think we're at the point where now we're basically available on all podcasting platforms. There are no non-podcasting platform. There are no podcasting platforms we're not on. I think. Uh, thank you, Heel, uh, for that. Nice work. 
Um, what else? Oh, yeah, that's that's right. So, uh, Patreon. So, come find, come support me on Patreon if you if you want to. I, I uh, it allows me to do more of this. It allows me to open up a PDF and and talk it through with 110 people watching. Um, yeah, uh, but I, yeah, it's it's useful. I think it's it basically it means that you don't have to read it. If I'm reading it and talking through it, then you don't have to do anything other than sort of vaguely absorb it, right? That maybe that is a useful service. Um, someone said the other day that it'd be really good if someone did this for health. Uh, for health papers, uh, yeah, I'd be up for that. I, I'm not personally doing it. Maybe I'll recommend Dina to do that. That'd be good. Anyway, right. Um, exclusive. She's not nearly as conceited as I am to think that I can talk in an all-worldly manner about reports. Uh, anyway, exclusive sneak peeks. Yeah, you get loads of of, of freebies and stuff. Um, and also, I ask you questions. Uh, if you don't want to support me on Patreon, then you can do so through PayPal. Um, uh, PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis for PayPal and Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the Patreon. Um, uh, people are asking, so yeah, the Discord is, it's still there for everyone who's on the Discord. Ella, I don't know if you wanted me to even mention it, but I'm going to mention it, but I've blurred it out for now because um, the Discord is kind of on lockdown at the moment for reasons. Um, everything's fine, we're all okay, but nasty people. Um, so it's on lockdown at the moment. Don't be dissuaded, do come and join um, uh, in hopefully a week. Ella, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have said that because then all the nasty 4chan people will come in a week and do it. Anyway, basically, we'll, we'll hopefully have, it, have the link. It's still up and running. People who are already in there, it, it's still there. I'm sure you, you can still do it. But basically, um, we, we had a, that's, it's called a security lapse and we're um, we're resolving that. So the links are down at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, the Kai TD, uh, the Kai AD, sorry, uh, sums it up exactly. Um, right, so... Romy Adcrat says that Dina and I should swap one week. Uh, I do the ballet and she can talk trains. I do need to get Dina on at some point. We need to pick a subject. I'd love to get her on. Anyway, right. What else? Right, I've got plugs. Plugs to do. So tomorrow night, all of you who are on here, um, who want to see me, um, who want to see me do a debate on HS2, like a proper debate, as in where I have to do an opening pitch and then deal with people saying things. Uh, I, and also, I have to script it because it's like two minutes. Or I have three minutes opening pitch, and you know what I'm like. I've just talked for an hour and a half, nonstop. Uh, so <laughs> I have to script it and write it and, and say it very rigidly because otherwise I'll just blow that um, three minutes out of the water. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, and it's on – it's quite – yeah, it's the world transformed. This is a big platform. Please come and watch because otherwise all the people who – all of the – so, so I think Raleigh is joining as um, as one of the protesters, uh, one of the Extinction Rebellion protesters, I think. Um, and if all the Extinction Rebellion people just come in and, and swamp it, it'll just be it'll be no fun at all. So, if you're a real person, come and get involved. If you're on the left and you think HS2 is a good idea, or if you don't and you think it's a bad idea, hopefully I can convince you. Come and um, come and uh, join to to see, and, and hopefully there'll be some interesting perspectives on both sides. Actually, um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing both sides. Hopefully there'll be some new arguments, so I have to think on my feet and, and kind of uh, justify that. Uh, I've got some, uh, you know, most of it's in my brain, but I, I do need to actually write some notes down of specifics. And what I will do is calculate a, a back of envelope. Um, Pete Johnson, actually, I'm going to grab your spreadsheet again and uh, yeah, do a back of envelope calculation for how quickly HS2 can be carbon neutral if you take a look at the bigger picture. So yeah, that should be interesting. So uh, that's tomorrow night at 7. So th this time tomorrow night, or rather at 7pm tomorrow night, please come watch. That should be good. Uh, there is a link. If you just Google this, there's a link. I'll put a link in the description, but to be honest, just Google it. Just Google the world transformed HS2 and it'll appear. Uh, and I'll retweet it as well. It'll be my pinned tweet tomorrow. Next thing, also HS2 themed. It's not the Looney Tunes. Um, 
what's it now? What is it? Uh, Amplify Stroud have now a podcast, and um, on Friday they're going to be plugging the episode that I'm in, talking about HS2. So I'm on things talking about HS2 this week. Uh, it is actually available now on Spotify. You can go and have a listen to it. But I'm going to plug it on Friday. Tomorrow I'm going to be plugging the, the, the this. And then Friday I'll be plugging this, so um, yeah, that should be that. That should be. It's, it's a. It, I had a listen. It's it's good. At, well, I just talk a lot. I don't shut up. But if 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 you're up for that sort of thing, the reason I do it, it might be repetitive, but actually it's good to hear that. It's good for me to hash the arguments out again and reword them and and, and clarify them. Think of better ways to make those arguments. So, um, yeah, it was a really good, po- really good fun posi- uh, podcast with Cassius. Um, that was yeah, it was a good laugh. Hopefully, I'll join them again actually to talk about the intersection of progressive politics and tr- trains. Uh, yeah, right. What else? That's Tim Dunn's feet in a hot tub. Uh, go watch. Go watch the last episode. It was good fun, and also watch the little outtakes video that Tim did. Uh, it was very. It, it, it tickled me quite substantially. Uh, I enjoyed that. Now, next week. Next week, we're back to. A, we're, we're revisiting uh, the Engineer's Guide to Being a Good Crane Easter Part Two. I need to have a think about this and, and work out what I need to. I need to rewatch Part One to work out what I didn't say in Part One and then put it into Part Two. But we are going back. We're going back to the Guide to Being a Good Crane Easter. Um, I think we might have a look at um, Penrith Darlington, but also we might look at York to Beverly and have a look at what that you know what what I do as a crane Easter. So uh, you know, limited resources, but getting a, making a more realistic looking pretend railway uh, and and, and I, you know how to do that and, and what the approach should be um, and how I go about doing these sorts of things when I'm working out how realistic a proposal is. So, right, that all of that. I'm gonna get my big massive mug back. Uh, all I can say, uh, well, are there any questions? Steve Wood saying straighten up to... Oh, wait. Uh, Matt Reeb asking, will it be recorded tomorrow night? I don't know if it will be recorded. I hope so. I hope it will be recorded. Um, straighten up to Stranraer and build hydrogen ferries in Carla- and Carlisle to Stranraer equals Northern Irish link for less than Boris's mad tunnel. Yeah, that's true. Um, Richard Smith, my day job in railways actually involved some Crane East action this week. I was so happy. Amazing. Um Am I talking about the Bose Railway? Asks Matt Reed. Uh, yes and no. No. Uh, I'm referring to a reinstated uh, North Pennine. Well, not a reinstated. Sorry, no. An entirely new North Pennine mainline that in some cases makes use of former track beds. Um, I don't do reopenings. I do new railway lines that make use of former railways because building on a former track bed is no less complicated than maybe legally a little bit because you're not intersecting lots of land boundaries, but by and large, it's no less complicated than just building a completely new greenfield railway. Uh, in some cases, it's more problematic because you've got land take and urban sprawl and all sorts to deal with. Anyway, I don't think there are any more questions, which means that I'm only... Oh, good grief, that was an hour and 38 minutes. I'm so sorry, everyone. We've still got 100 people watching. You're all lovely, and I've had a very pleasurable time uh, talking through a report with you in PDF form. <laughs> hopefully that's useful uh thanks to the scottish greens for putting that together good work uh you know i, I know i've talked about some shortcomings in it but don't don't be don't be disheartened I, it's a really good piece uh if you want to read my my kind of more coherent and slightly shorter lowdown it's on medium it's my latest piece published on medium so go and have a look at that um i also need to publish my track gauge piece too don't i at some point soon anyway maybe i'll save that for when i do the track gauge rail natter maybe i should have done that one next week but i'm not next week crane sting anyway everyone who's here you're wonderful how much the report we acted upon Stands to be seen, doesn't it? But um, uh, the fact that it's been put there and it can be critiqued is more than any of the other parties have done. It's all very well haranguing from the sidelines, but unless you've got your own plan, it's it's all talk, labour. Anyway. <laughs> right. Go to bed, everyone. You're all lovely, and I will see you all um, 
I'll see you all very soon. See you next week. Uh, or on Friday as well, if you want to join the stream. Anyway, right, enough of that. You saw all the adverts. Cheerio! Cheerio!